0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. Oh my gosh. Davida and I are staying at the same hotel here in Ghana. She's literally in a room across the hall from me. I went across the hall to grab a Fanta. My hotel didn't um, update my mini bar. And she doesn't drink soda. And usually I don't either. But for whatever reason, I was like, I just really want a Fanta. So I went across the hall to get one at 11 o'clock. And then we were catching up about her day. Because she and her travelers went to Cape Coast. They went to see the Cape Coast Slave Castle. They did a new excursion this time. One that I haven't done. I think they call it Slave River. Is that the proper name for it? Let me look it up. Yeah, the Slave River Tour. It's where the enslaved Africans that had been captured and were headed to Cape Coast Slave Castle. Their captors would take them to a river for their quote and unquote last bath before they would be taken to the castle. And then also before they would uh, board, forced to board um, a slave ship headed for America, Brazil, Caribbean, take your choice. So they went there today. I have not been um, she was showing me videos. It looked like an amazing experience, very spiritual. The guide had them walk barefoot to the river, as our ancestors would have. She said it was a very powerful experience. Um, and now I'm just like, damn, I should have gone instead of going to get my hair braided today. Um, I've been to Cape Coast Castle twice, and then I've also been to Almina Castle another time. I have great reverence and respect for everything that my ancestors, possibly my ancestors, endured. But I don't need to see either of those slave castles again. Not for lack of, of interest per se. It just wears on the spirit, as you can imagine. Or if you can't imagine, watch Sankofa. The opening scene, the heroine of the story, is in Cape Coast slave castle. So if you, if you don't have an idea of what I'm speaking about, watch Sankofa. At least you can get a visual understanding of what it is. But yeah, like after that guy last time I was here locked me in a in the slave dungeon. He was like, Yeah, this is where they would put rebellious enslaved Africans who were fighting not to get on a slave ship and who were fighting to escape a slave castle. This is where they would put them to die. They would lock them in this room with no food, no water, just a smidgen of light and leave them to die. After dude closed the door me and Will and was telling us through the door, yeah, this is where everybody died. I was like, if you don't get me out this grave, sir, I'm good. There's some other ones that I want to see in different countries, but I'm, I'm good. On, on those two particular slave castles. If you're interested in Ghana, I definitely think you should go. I've seen enough. But I do want to go on this this uh, slave river. I do want to have that experience. I'm kind of mad I didn't go. I went to get my hair done today. I've got braids, micro braids, like down way down past my ass. It took all of five hours. And you know my hair is like thick as hell. Took all of five hours. Because they had seven people braiding my hair at one time, I got to the shop at like 820. I was done by two. My whole head. I'm like fascinated. Total, I paid 75. And that like includes the tip and the hair. I think last time I paid 47, which were dope. I loved my braids from last time too. But the place that I went to, they had me sitting on a folding chair right under a fan. And it was great. I was fine. And so the power went out. And then I'm like sitting in the braid shop. And it's hot. It was hot today, too, Um, with no A.C., just sweating while they braiding my hair. And I was like, eh. This other place that I went to, I saw it on Instagram, and I couldn't get an appointment last time I was here for the holidays. It's a a popular braid shop, so a lot of people go there. So I wasn't able to get an appointment last time. I got an appointment this time. They cost a little bit more, but it's great quality work. And, again, braids pass my ass in five hours. I think this is my new go-to spot for my braids and that's like the expensive price but getting this done at home my braider in LA comes to my house she charges significantly more this I don't even know she'll braid this small because they're so tiny so I'm happy to pay for my braids here and they should last like a while it's funny <laughs> you know that joke it was like resist the african-american urge to the woman had just finished braiding my hair and she was putting the mousse on the top it felt so good and I was sitting there looking in the mirror and they look so nice. They're very beautiful. But I was looking in the mirror and I was like, who the hell gonna take this out? <laughs> Me? <laughs> Shit. They cute though. We'll have a conversation in two months where I'm spending half a day taking them out. If I still think they cute though. Oh. <sighs> There's so much to talk about today. I really hope that we could have like a nice, frivolous conversation, especially given the um, I guess the heaviness of last week's episode, Larry, which, thank you. I don't usually check the numbers on my podcast. I only check them at the end of the month to see if I'm, you know, if I'm growing from the month before. I happened to check on Sunday because it was the first of the month and the numbers were astronomical. I mean, it was good for the month, but the numbers for Larry were like through the roof. Like the numbers that I usually do in probably three weeks, i done in two days. So thank you, thank you, thank you for everyone who listened and everyone who shared. I imagine we probably have a lot of new listeners right now because people have been sharing that thing everywhere. I'm getting tons of messages every single day from women who listened to that episode. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Also, as an update, I have not talked to my friend, the single father. I have no idea if he went to where that woman was that she invited him to be. I hope he did. I really hope he did. This woman wrote in, she shared a story about a woman who's, who did exactly what he was thinking to do. A woman who moved, her daughter went away to school and the woman moved to be near her daughter. And then the daughter got to the school and was like, I don't like it here. And the mom is like, but I moved for you. And she was like, I didn't tell you to do that. The daughter's miserable equally at the school. And because like, you know, her mom is doing crazy shit, like moving to the city where her school is and then trying to keep her there. Yeah, I'm going to share that story with my friend and see if I can get some information about what happened with the well-earning woman who wanted him to visit her. But thank you again for, um, for listening. I actually talked to him earlier today, and I made some reference to something that I said in the podcast episode. And he was like, really, Larry? And I was like, er? He doesn't listen to every episode. And he was like, you shared a lot. And I was like, I did. I did. I thought it was necessary. So... But yeah, I thought we were going to talk about the Met Gala. I thought we were going to have an update on on ASAP Rocky and his his guns. You remember the morning that he got arrested when he was coming back from Barbados? He flew into LAX and he was um, he was arrested because of a shooting that took place, I believe, in November. Let's say last fall, just to clear it. But they had raided his house. There was video of the police like taking a battering ram to. I guess like the fence, it's fair to say. I didn't see them doing it to the door, but you could see there was police taking a battering ram to the fence around his home because they were looking for guns that may or may not have been used um, in association with the shooting that he is accused of doing. He's accused of shooting one of his friends. I am happy to report that the police did go into his house and they did find a bunch of guns, but they also found that all the guns were... I'm reading this on Complex and they're quoting TMZ. They said the police determined that the guns were, quote, lawfully purchased and legally registered and none were connected to the 2021 shooting. That's a little bit of good news for Rocky. Lord knows he needs some. Between the Internet starting rumors and, you know, the alleged dumb shit that he may have done, which there may be video for. There's another TMZ article that's being quoted by Complex. It says LAPD sources say they're in possession of a video of the shooting, quote, presumably from a surveillance camera. TMZ writes that if the video is clear enough, it could be bad news for ASAP. The video could be even more powerful evidence than the gun itself. I hope he didn't do what they're accusing him of doing. I want to root for him if he is in fact innocent. However, if your boy is pulling out guns, and just randomly shooting at folks in the streets of LA, then you know he needs to pay a price for that. Like, that's crazy. We see it in movies all the time. Like, that's supposed to be some shit for movies. You're not supposed to pull out a gun and start shooting people in, like, real life. Like, it's one thing if you're, like, defending your home. It's a whole nother thing if you just, you know, mad about some dumb shit. But again, like I said, we were supposed to be talking about frivolous shit. ASAP and his guns, the Met Gala, I had so many thoughts on all the various fashion. And just to be clear, I had all these various thoughts while I'm sitting around in my tights and sports bra and pulled up socks and fuzzy slippers. I had so much commentary on an event that I've never been to and never been invited to. Although it's on my bucket list. I would love to attend the Met Gala as someone's muse. I think it'll happen. I have faith in me. I'm so befuddled by how so many people just did not understand the dress code. It was essentially the Gilded Age. And I was like, everyone knows what the Gilded Age is. And if you don't, there is currently a show airing on HBO, a very popular show, no less. There's a very popular show on HBO Max that has wonderful gowns, beautiful gowns with no sarcasm, actual beautiful gowns. Like the wardrobe department releases the fabric every single week. You can't fuck this up. And yet, and yet so many people did. I was like, where, where, this has nothing to do with anything. Like, how did you come up with this? I wanted to talk about the fashion. And I was like, I have to divide it into people who understood the theme and got it right. And then also people who looked amazing but was on some fucker theme. I'm wearing what I want. I was going to leave out the people whose dresses I didn't like because there was a long list of them. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. One of them was my boo. You know my boo. The Lori. Why? She's a beautiful, beautiful woman. She's absolutely gorgeous. She really should have just recycled the dress that she wore to the, the Vanity Fair party. She and Michael B. Jordan went for Oscar weekend. That dress was amazing. She looked fabulous. I think it could have passed for a Gilded Age dress. Or if not, it was at least something fabulous. So maybe she wouldn't go in the first post with the people who got it right and were on theme. But she wore this dress and I was like, and I was like, I've seen you look, I don't know. I don't want to use the word because she didn't look unattractive. I mean, she's a gorgeous, gorgeous girl, but I've seen her dress better on like random date nights. And I was like, was this a rush situation? Did you not just want to be there? and the dress like showed off her body she has magnificent abs i had no idea lori was cut up like that like i knew she had a nice figure but i didn't know her abs were like like chopped up like that and i was like oh shit but like the way that the like i think the light hit her ab and then the way the dress was constructed it looked more like she had like a like a deformity it didn't look like an ab but that was like on this one picture that was circulating she had another picture where she was on the red carpet and the dress was like properly arranged So from the side and the back, you could see like all the draping of the dress. You could see the the fabric. You could see all the fabric. It looked much better. I was like, she's such a beautiful girl. With such an amazing figure too. And I was like, that just wasn't the best showcasing of her beauty. That's a nice way to say I didn't like her dress, right? I loved Gabrielle Union's dress. I don't think it's getting enough love. Um, I think it was definitely something that could have been worn to Mrs. Russell's ballroom. I specifically do not say Mrs. Astor's ballroom because we have not seen her ballroom on the show, but we did see Mrs. Russell's ballroom and them folks was dressed to the nines. But I very much feel that Gabrielle Union's dress, it was so gorgeous. I think I read it was like an homage to Dorothy Dandridge. Did I read that right? No, Diane Carroll, excuse me. It was an homage to Diane Carroll. I saw a post on Instagram that it put the dresses side by side and I was like, oh, that's lovely. That's just lovely. I like Cardi B's dress. It wasn't the structure for Gilded Age, which, you know, I'm an expert on because I watched the Gilded Age on HBO. That was sarcasm in case you couldn't tell. Cardi's dress wasn't the right structure per se, but it was so like gold and gaudy. It was literally like all Versace gold chains to the necklace, to the 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 gloves. I think it went all the way up her arm. Let me look at it again. But it was just so over the top and just dripping in gold. And I was like, is that not the Gilded Age in a nutshell? I mean, literally, like, the Gilded Age is called such because of the gilding, the gold leaf on the, uh, on the walls. Yes, Cardi's got this fingerless glove gold chain situation that wraps all the way up to her elbow. It, that's an absolutely beautiful dress. It looks heavy as shit. It's gorgeous, though. It's absolutely gorgeous, though. You know who else had a really good dress? And I've skipped over who I actually think is the best dress. Blake Lively. She did this dress that was inspired by the, the Statue of Liberty. It's It looks like a, a rhinestone art deco situation. And then she has, like, the big bow. Mrs. Russell on the Gilded Age loved one of those big bows on the side of her dress. There was this one dress that she wore, like, a few times on the show when she was doing errands around the house. I really want to say she was like preparing for a party and she was walking around the house in like a full ball gown because that's what people wore in the Gilded Age. At least if you had money. But she's walking around the house in like a full gown, like her daytime gown. That wasn't even the gown she was wearing to the ball. But she was like, you know, directing the housekeepers on like, you know, where to put stuff. But Blake Lively had on a gown that totally channeled Mrs. Russell. And I was like, oh, Mrs. Russell would be so proud. So very proud. Oh, the girl from... um What's my other show? Bridgerton, Penelope, the one who's like writing the letters, the little thick girl, the chubby girl from the weird family, but they kind of play her on the show like she's unattractive, but in real life, she's an absolutely gorgeous girl. And She wore an amazing gown on the red carpet. I didn't write down who she was wearing, but there's a picture of her dress on at Met Museum on Instagram. It's absolutely lovely. It is Gilded Age ready. It enhances all of her best features. She looks freaking amazing. And she's like a beautiful blonde in real life. I don't know if she's a natural blonde or an expensive blonde, but her hair looks great. It's a beautiful color. There was someone else. Yaya Abdul Mateen looked freaking amazing. I assumed his suit was Gucci, but it's not. I don't remember who it's by. He looks absolutely amazing. He has his golds in. He looked good as shit. And he's got this little hair clip in. It looks like he's locking his hair, which I'm fine. Do you see that face? I don't care what he does to his hair. He put a little hair clip. It looks like a little diamond hair clip. He's beautiful. Oh, long self. I mean his height, not anything else. I don't think we saw the front. Did we see the front? Last but not least, Alicia Keys. Alicia Keys looked absolutely phenomenal. She looked amazing. She had on this cape that was decorated, I believe, with rhinestones. As the skyline of New York City. It's absolutely amazing. It's just, it's breathtaking really. But she was definitely on like, she's definitely my top five. Oh, I think we should probably mention Damson Idris. I didn't see him on any of like when I, when I do the search for hashtag Met Gala, I didn't see any pictures of him. That said, he posted pictures on his Instagram page and he looked freaking amazing. And I was like, God damn. I mean, you know how I feel about damson Idris in general, especially coming off this last season of Snowfall. He looked absolutely amazing and different. I think he's like cut his hair low, shaved off all his facial hair. Did he, has he had like a mustache as of late? I don't know. He's definitely clean shaven in the picture, but he looks entirely different than I'm like used to looking at him. I'm going on his Instagram page right now to see like what he changed, if I can figure out what the change is. Oh, yeah, he's had facial hair for a while. He's had, like, at least a small mustache. Maybe he had the mustache for the show. I don't know. I think I might prefer him with the mustache, just because he looks a little bit older. Because, you know, he's just 30, which is very legal, but also a little young for my lusting. He looks a little older when he has the mustache. But I'm not mad. I just want to be clear. I'm not mad at all. He still looks fucking phenomenal. (sighs) I'm sorry. I got stuck on his page. My bad, y'all. My bad. Oh, someone's tagging me about This Is Us. Um, I ain't watch it. People keep tagging me in TV shows, which I completely understand because like, you know, I talk about TV for a living and I've actively told y'all like, please tell me about shows, especially after the Emily in Paris fiasco where I didn't know about that beautiful man because I wasn't watching Emily in Paris and no one told me and everyone was like, oh, we just figured you were watching it. No. So I asked y'all specifically to tell me about TV shows. So we didn't have this incident happen again. And you all have been very, very dutiful in doing that. But I'm over here in Ghana and people are like, did you see This Is Us? No, no, no. I'm on a four hour time difference from the East Coast and a seven hour time difference from L.A. When I move here, I will make a more deliberate effort to stay caught up on American TV. But while I am vacationing here, I am on vacation. If my options are to watch TV or go hang at the pool or go out to dinner with my friends or just go to some random bar, I'm telling you right now, TV is going to be the last choice. So no, I have not seen the latest episode of This Is Us. I have not seen the last two episodes of Atlanta. I did see Winning Time though. Wood Harris put on an acting clinic as, um, what's his name? I'm completely sober right now too and cannot remember anything. I'm literally typing in Iman's first husband. Oh, wait. No, there was another husband before Stephen Haywood. David Bowie was the third husband? Oh, shit. Well, Spencer Haywood was a Laker. And Wood Harris plays Stephen Haywood on Winning Time. And so this latest episode significantly focused on that character. Wood Harris acted his ass off. And you know, I'm a huge Wood Harris fan. I think I fell in love with him when he was Avon on The Wire. And people were like, when he was the drug dealer? Yes, he played the hell out of that drug dealer. I think that was my introduction to Wood Harris. I think Paid in Full came out after The Wire. No? I could be wrong about that. I saw him in The Wire before I saw him in Paid in Full. Because when I saw him in Paid in Full, I was like, Avon is like the good guy? Huh? But to me, when I see Wood Harris in a role, it's always like, oh, Avon's working at the dry cleaner or, oh, Avon is the coach in Creed too. Oh, Avon is the manager for New Edition. I always think of him as like Avon. And then I think after this role, I'm going to start thinking of him as just like Wood MF Harris. He was so good. Like I was actually like proud. Oh, he was also in BMF, wasn't he? I didn't know Wood Harris could act like that. I knew he was a great actor. I knew he had range. We've seen range, but we ain't never seen that. We never saw that. He did so good. And do you remember when I posted his ass on Instagram? I think I put a peach over it and told everybody to go watch Winning Time. I think Wood Harris is a nice looking guy, but I've never looked at Wood Harris and been like, body yada, yaddy, yaddy, yadi yaddy. But Winning Time, the character he plays, which I thought just was, you know, something that was made up about the show because so much of the plot is dramatized. Stephen Haywood actually circumcised himself. He was from like Backwoods, Mississippi, and his brother convinced him to do it. And so he did it. And I was like, what? All of those things are true. And I was like, oh, wait, what? But he has an amazing ass. I was like, who knew? I just, I never thought like, ooh, naked wood hairs. Now I'd be like, more please. You see, I'm avoiding talking about the topic, Right. We're going to get to it. We have to get to it. We have to discuss it. Although I don't know what more I can actually add to the conversation other than like good morning Gilead and what the fuck. Oh, I guess we need to talk about this. We've been talking about the Viola book, which I still do not have a copy of. The publisher got back to me and was like, sure, we'd love to send you a copy. And I was like, um, I'm currently in Ghana. And so she was like, we can send it and have it waiting for you when you get back. Actually, she's black. I shouldn't make that voice. We can have it sent to you, and we'll be waiting for you when you get back. Thank you. Um, But Viola Davis has seen and heard all of y'all's criticisms of her. Not necessarily of her, but of, of her role as Michelle Obama. I'm reading this on Entertainment Weekly. She called criticism of her portrayal of Michelle Obama. She said it was, quote, incredibly hurtful. If you recall, we talked about this several times. She made a unique choice to highlight Michelle Obama's lips, which, you know, we talked about this in a previous episode, so I'm not going to drag it. But, you know, it, it didn't go over well with a lot of the viewership. And so in an interview with BBC News, Viola Davis said, quote, it's incredibly hurtful when people say negative things about your work. She also added that criticism is occupational hazard. So the interviewer asked her, they said, how do you move on from the hurt, from the failure? And so she said, you have to. Not everything is going to be an awards worthy performance. She also said, critics, I think that would mean me. She said they, quote, absolutely serve no purpose. Damn. And I'm not saying that to be nasty either. They always feel like they're telling you something that you don't know somehow that you're living a life that you're surrounded by people who lie to you and I'm going to be the person that leans in and tells you this truth. She added, it gives them an opportunity to be cruel to you. Ooh. But ultimately, I feel like it is my job as a leader to make bold choices. Win or fail, it is my duty to do that. She says that she doesn't have any, quote, personal contact with Michelle Obama, Forever floaters. And so she would not know what the former first lady thinks of her portrayal. You know what? I will add this because I had my things to say about Viola, but I also think it was important. And I did this at the time when I was critiquing her performance as Michelle Obama to be like, you know what? Everybody makes a miss sometimes. And I pointed out that I'd enjoyed all of her other work. I pointed out that she is the most awarded black actress in history and that she's had many good roles. And and this one is a misstep. And I think... I hope that it will be clearly forgotten. There was a big convention, the Woman King trailer. I'm sorry, I'm typing this in. CinemaCon. CinemaCon just passed and at it, they debuted a trailer for the Woman King which is starring Viola Davis. And I've seen a bunch of articles about the trailer. I've seen reaction videos on YouTube because I was looking for the trailer and wanted to see it. No one's posted it, which I was like, what y'all waiting on? Nobody had their camera out. Nobody can leak any footage. I had never even heard of the woman King until I was interviewing Damson Idris and I was asking him about what he watches or what he's like anticipating. And he mentioned Viola Davis in the Woman King, and I was like, "Wait, what? What is this?" And so he had to explain it to me. But it's Viola Davis is playing the general. Okay, so remember in Black Panther, and they had the women who were soldiers who protected T'Challa, right? Viola Davis is playing the general for that army of women, but not like the Black Panther women. The Dahomey women that the women soldiers in Black Panther were based on. And it's a film that's also starring John Boyega, who apparently was in this clip. I think John Boyega is the king. Don't quote me on that. Because again, I haven't seen the trailer. I'm just watching the reaction videos. And the film is directed by Gina Prince-Bythewood. She's never made a bad film as far as I'm concerned. I'm reading this on blackenterprise.com. It says the, the historical film draws inspiration from actual events that occurred during the kingdom of Dahomey, an empire that reigned in the 18th and 19th centuries in the present day of Southern Benin. I'm excited. Viola Davis has referred to this film as her magnum opus. Okay. I'm so excited about this film. I hope I can get an early screener of it. It is going to premiere in theaters. I still ain't been back to the theater. It's going to premiere in theaters September 16th. We got to get through the end of spring and summer into the fall before we can see Viola as the woman king. I'll wait. I ain't got a choice but to wait. Now we got to talk about the thing. So what I've been alluding to is a story that came out in the middle of the night, at least my time, Politico got its hands on a draft majority opinion written by Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito that was circulating inside the court. And what is freaking everyone out, or at least the majority of the country, is that the Supreme Court is going to strike down Roe v. Wade, which if you are not familiar, and I don't know how you could not be at this point, it's the landmark case from 1973 that guaranteed federal constitutional protections of abortion rights so that you can get an abortion in every state in some capacity, even if it's difficult as of late, like Texas. But it has been allowed that you can get an abortion. So by overturning Roe v. Wade, the states will be able to determine individually whether abortion will be legal in the state. In fact, I read something earlier today I don't know if this is already in the works or if it's just a quick response to to this this latest news story. Let me look it up before I say it. Oklahoma. Abortion. Yeah. Earlier today, the governor of Oklahoma signed a law that's very similar to Texas that has banned abortion after six weeks. Most people don't even know they're pregnant At six weeks, it's not until like they miss the first period. And if you're someone like me who ain't never had a regular period ever in life, it would take me more than six weeks to figure out that I was pregnant, to miss my period and be like, Hey, I might need to take a, I might need to take a test. It's called the Oklahoma heartbeat act. And the governor said in a tweet, he says, I want Oklahoma to be the most pro-life state in the country because I represent all 4 million Oklahomans who overwhelmingly want to protect the unborn. Similar to Texas, it, it grants the right of private citizens to bring a civil lawsuit against a person who performs or induces an abortion. I'm reading this on CNN.com. Also, people who intend to perform an abortion, people who knowingly aid and bet an abortion, such as paying for the procedure. It does say the bill would prohibit civil action against certain individuals, including the woman who had the abortion or sought the procedure. The law takes effect this summer, and it makes performing or attempting to perform an abortion a felony punishable by a maximum fine of $100,000 or a maximum of 10 years in state prison. CNN also quotes Nancy Northup. She's the head of the Center of Reproductive Rights. And she points out that many Texans, because Texans had this law in the books for a while now, it says many Texans have been fleeing to Oklahoma for abortion services, because that's like the next closest place. If you've been fleeing to Oklahoma, you may now be out of options. She said, this is just a preview of what's to come if Roe is overturned. So this draft majority opinion, it's not official just yet, but it's you know telling that this is where the court is leaning which is to overturn Roe v. Wade. So you can expect these kind of um, decisions in a bunch of states, if not the majority of states. There was a graph that I saw that was circulating earlier. It was a map of the United States and, and the states that were likely to ban abortion or put extreme restrictions on abortion. If Roe v. Wade was overturned, seemingly The only safe zones, if you will, were the super liberal states. So the entire West Coast, the Northeast Corridor and the tri-state, the entire South, all of the South, all of the Bible Belt, like that was all red. Basically, y'all ain't gonna have no abortions legal there. This is a mess. I mean, for the obvious that, you know, the same people who have been throwing a fit for the last year and change, I would say about covid Everything from getting tested to to wearing a mask to taking a vaccine. It's like you can't force us to wear a mask. You can't force us to get vaccinated. And it's un-American to show proof of vaccines. They've been throwing a fit. You can't tell me what to put in my body. You can't tell me what to wear on my face. But you're very comfortable telling women, forcing women to have a baby that they do not want. I would say what's the logic, but I don't even think logic is the point. I think it's just control. That's the only thing that makes sense. Like, you want to force women to have children that they they don't want. Under the guise of caring about unborn fetuses and babies and children. But it's bullshit. And we know it's bullshit because it's like, okay, so you're going to force women to have these children. You're going to ban abortions. You're going to try to force women to have these children. And I say try because without safe access to abortions, People are still going to try to do it. It's going to be like pre-1973. People are still going to find ways to to get rid of babies that they don't want to carry. The result is going to be a bunch of butchered and mangled women or dead women. There's this infamous photo of this woman, Geraldine Jerry. is what she went by, Santoro. And she died from an unsafe abortion in 1964. When police found her, she was naked. And she was bent over on the floor. And I'm looking at the picture right now. There's a white towel underneath her that has large amounts of blood on it. You can see on her backside, large amounts of blood. Clearly she she bled out. Um, But she was trying to get an abortion. And this image has been, it's been circulating for a while now. I've seen it many, many times. But this image became like the face of abortion. And the idea was if women do not have access to safe abortions they will resort to unsafe means of abortion I'm reading this story I think she was in her 30s when this happened but she was she was a married woman her husband was physically abusive co-workers said that she would regularly appear with bruises this was the 50s and 60s and nothing was really done about domestic violence she eventually left him she fled to her parents house and in time She met another man. Grown people did grown things and she became pregnant. So she and this guy went to a hotel room and they attempted to perform an abortion. Now, neither one of them are any kind of doctor or medical professional, because if they were, it would be mentioned in this article. But they went to this hotel room and they used secondhand surgical instruments and instructions from a textbook to try to give Jerry an abortion. The result was she started hemorrhaging and he fled the hotel room and she died alone on the floor. And the police, when they got there, they found her, as I described earlier. I'm reading this story on personalpact.org, by the way, and they note that before Roe v. Wade, it was estimated that 350,000 women per year were injured or sickened by illegal abortions. Many ended up at septic abortion wards. Many died. I think that's probably most important to note. So this is the world that the Supreme Court and the religious right and and the GOP want us to go back to. They want to create a real life handmaid's tale. You know, I would make comparisons to America being Gilead and the handmaid's tale coming to life. I would make those comparisons a lot When Trump was in office. And I think I had just a little more hope when Biden got elected that, you know, adults were in charge and that, you know, the worst of it was behind us. And yet, that is clearly not the case. I really cannot believe Roe v. Wade is gonna be overturned. Over the years, the pro life people have had various moments of frenzy, but it was kind of like, okay, like they'll make all this noise, but like nothing's really going to happen. And then Trump appointed those loons to the Supreme Court. The, the one who was like yelling about liking beer. And then the woman who was in the cult. I knew they were dangerous. And as fucked up as America is, I was like, there's no way in hell. This can't possibly. And yet, and yet, in the year of our Lord, 2022, this is some real shit. Roe v. Wade is going to be overturned. That's crazy. Father Obama addressed the nation. He and Michelle together released the statement. He said the consequences of this decision would be a blow, not just to women, but to all of us who believe that in a free society, there are limits to how much the government can encroach on our personal lives. And this decision is unlikely to significantly reduce abortions, which have been steadily going down over the past several decades, thanks in large part to better access to contraception and education. Instead, As we've already begun to see in states with restrictive abortion laws, those women with means would travel to states where abortion remains legal and safe. Meanwhile, those without enough money or access to transportation or ability to take off from school or work would face the same circumstances most women faced before Roe, desperately seeking out illegal abortions that inevitably pose grave risk to their health, their future ability to bear children, and sometimes their lives. That's a result none of us should want. Obama urged people who were upset. He said, we're asking you to join with the activists who've been sounding the alarm on this issue for years and act. Stand with them at local protests. Volunteer with them on a campaign. Join them in urging Congress to codify Roe into law. And vote alongside them on or before November 8th in every other election. Because in the end, if we want judges who want to protect all and not just some of our rights, then we've got to elect officials committed to doing the same. So I guess those are our marching orders. Like, do something. Don't just sit around in despair and be like, I can't believe this is happening. Donate something. Protest something. I saw there was a gigantic protest outside of the Supreme Court. D.C. is very liberal. D.C. loves to protest. Had I been home, I would have gone. It's just so confusing to me, though. You want women to have these kids that they don't want, but you want them to. But, like, what are you willing to do to help the woman once the kid is here? Like, are we finally going to get, like, actual universal health care where women can go to the hospital and have a child and not receive, like, a huge bill? Because even with health insurance, there's still a bill. Like, the insurance takes off a lot of it, but you still got to pay something. I was reading... Was it on Melanin Shade Room? It was in the comments. But someone was talking about like they had a kid that was born early. So they were in the um, neo, neonatal intensive care unit. Neonatal intensive NICU. I think that's what that acronym is. But people are talking about the prices they had to pay after giving birth, even with insurance. So I'm like, so wait, 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 wait. So these women that you're forcing to have children that they do not want. Are you going to pick up the tab for them birthing these kids? Is America ever going to adopt policies that exist in, you know, like, you know, the rest of first world nations where women can take maternity leave for like, I don't know, some significant amount of time that amounts to more than six weeks and be fully paid and their jobs still be available when they go back? Like, is that possible? What are we going to do about child care? Is there going to be some sort of stipend to to assist with the cost of child care? Because all my friends who's got kids in child care, they're like, girl, that's a mortgage payment. Or actually, it might be more than the mortgage in some place. My friend was telling me she paid eleven hundred dollars a month for her kid to go in child care. And I was like, girl, what? And she was like, and that's cheap. What? So like, what are we doing about child care? Nothing. We're going to force women to have these kids and provide them what? Nothing not even I think that's the plan that's the fucking plan I, I'm, I'm like morally if you're someone who's just like I'm so concerned about the babies and the unborn babies and what to do about the babies and and blah 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 like okay like what about the babies when they get here what you doing about that anything anything at all I saw this tweet that's been circulating it's from Takara Mallard I don't know her but I need to go follow her she says forced birth In a country with the highest maternal mortality rate, no paid maternity leave, no universal subsidized child care, no continued birth parent care, and frequently inaccessible mental health care. This sounds like a good idea to who and why. Like, I understand you want to control women, but at what cost to the rest of society? Also, just like on a logical, like, just, I don't know. I would just think as men, men being how they be, not all but so many. I don't understand how we're in a country of so many men who complain about child support will also want to limit the number of abortions. You don't see how this is about to affect your pockets? All these women forced to have kids, somebody got to pay for them. They make them kids by themselves. Who you think going to pay the child support? Are men going to go back to marrying women and then get them pregnant? Or you find out somebody's pregnant and you're going to marry her? Because that's the only way you're getting out of child support. So men, are you, are you ready to start marrying women again? Are you ready to stop having mistresses? Are you ready to let go of sowing your wild oats and your hypersexual hoeing practices that sometimes result in children? Are you ready to start wearing condoms on a regular basis? Dudes be real good for it don't feel the same. And with the condom still feels pretty great for me. That's a problem you need to solve. Are we going to make birth control free? Are we going to teach actual sex education in schools, not just biology, but the actual how to properly use protection to prevent unwanted pregnancy. Are we going to start doing that? Because otherwise I don't see how any of this works for anybody. Like our forever POTUS pointed out, like this isn't just a woman's issue because women don't make children by themselves. I say, I keep saying women, but also let me include people who don't identify as women, but are also capable of birth. I'm just, I just want to know like what, what, what additional changes are we willing to make as a society to support all these new kids or to prevent on the front end pregnancy from occurring? Anything, anything at all. Or are we just going like, you know, be like, fuck it. I mean, with the condom. So, you know, nobody gets pregnant since like abortions hard to come by. <sighs> this is so fucking ridiculous. I can't believe I'm having this conversation in 2022. Blessed be the fruit. May the Lord open. All right, y'all. Sorry about the lateness on the episode today. I'm just going to give you a heads up. Friday's going to be late, too. And probably next Tuesday, the following Friday, I might be back on schedule. I'm going to try. I just don't want y'all looking for this at, like, you know, noon on the day it's supposed to run. That's not going to happen. I just want you to know that. Not for a lack of care, just for a lack of, you know, I'm not a machine. All right. That's the episode for today. We'll speak again on Friday. Bye.